0: Idea, can't a girl get a word in edgewise? After all, they're my public too. All I do is dream of you the whole night through. With the dawn, I still go on dreaming of you. You're every you're everything, you're every song I ever sing. Summer, winter, autumn, and spring. And From Chicago, this is the own unenthusiastic own critic, that critic that a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, every thought, everything, every song I ever sing, is my lovely wife, Nikia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic.
1: There's, like, new wedding vows or something?
0: <laughs> sure you like the sound of those? No,
1: actually, I don't. I didn't think you would.
0: <laughs> On today's episode, Nikia and I are sitting down for an indisputable Hollywood classic, Singing in the Rain, from 1952. Nikia. I- I don't even feel like I need to make an argument for why you need to see Singing in the Rain. Mm -hmm. This is right up there with the most indispensable, universally beloved movies we have ever watched for the unenthusiastic critic. I mean, if you needed to see The Sound of Music, you definitely need to see Singing in the Rain.
1: Right, but I hated The Sound of Music. (laughs) So that does not bode well for this experiment. (laughs)
0: Well, funny you should say that, because Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan, who co-directed this film, mm-hmm. Kelly stars in it, of course, both felt the same way you do about The Sound of Music.
1: They hated it?
0: They offered it to Donan to direct it first, mm-hmm. Donan turned it down. Then they went to Gene Kelly, and Gene Kelly allegedly said, get someone else to direct this piece of shit, and threw the guy out of his house.
1: Nice. Okay, all right. Okay. All
0: right. So, a little goodwill <laughs> towards these filmmakers right from the start for okay. you. All right. And, you know, Singing in the Rain has been called a musical for people who hate musicals. I confess, I don't really know what that means. Hmm. I think it's something people say when they like one musical and don't like other musicals. That You hear it about a lot of musicals that to me are just musicals. But, you know, Singin' in the Rain was a hit right from the beginning. The critics loved it. It was only nominated for two Oscars, supporting actress and score, and it didn't win any. Probably because the previous year, Gene Kelly's An American in Paris had won, had basically swept the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Um, It won six awards, including Best Picture. So I think the Academy probably just wasn't in the mood to nominate another Gene Kelly musical. That's kind of how the Academy works sometimes. Uh, The mediocre to awful circus film Greatest Show on Earth won Best Picture that year when Singing in the Rain wasn't even nominated. This is one of the many great embarrassments in Oscar history. But Singing in the Rain now has a perfect 100% rating at Rotten Tomatoes where the critical consensus is clever, incisive, and funny, Singing in the Rain is a masterpiece of the classical Hollywood musical.
1: Incisive.
0: Incisive.
1: That is not a word I typically hear about musicals. Okay.
0: Well, it is a musical that is sort of a critique of Hollywood and critique of Hollywood musicals a little bit. Okay. Uh, The American Film Institute lists Singing in the Rain at number five on their list of the greatest films of all time and number one on their list of musicals. The British Film Institute calls it one of the 50 movies everyone should see by the age of 14.
1: Oh, I'm. So you're at least
0: what I'm five years <laughs> too late for that one
1: i think that means that after 14 you can't actually enjoy it like you, no you i just, don't i don't think you that don't is what have it means. that sort of it's like imaginary friends where that <laughs> that sort of power just goes away and you can't do it anymore <laughs> my mind just left i don't know where she went i didn't kill her she just went away and i think it is you just get to a point where you don't have that power anymore it's like a magic that you have as a child mm-hmm. and then you just don't have it anymore
0: it's, so it's too late for you it's, it's to. It's too late for mm-hmm. me to,
1: you know, experience joy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've often wondered if that is true. But we keep trying. Question Is
1: Gene Kelly the one that's in the blackface one? There's like, is it White Christmas? It's one of those musical things with the dancing men. And it's there's uh, a No, that's as well.
0: Fred Astaire you're okay. thinking of.
1: Okay,
0: all right. <laughs> I think. I <laughs> think okay there's two of those movies it's white christmas and holiday Inn. that in my mind are sort of the same movie and i get mixed up which one is which Mm -hmm. and i think astaire is in both of them but i i don't know we'll check on that for you if it's important well
1: i'd like to know if someone
0: has done blackface. Dabbled in blackface (laughs) (laughs) so continuing our list of accolades here the latest sight and sound decennial critics poll places it at number 20 on the list of the greatest films of all time It was one of the first films selected for preservation in the National Film Registry as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Our local luminary, Roger Ebert, Mm -hmm. put it on his list of the great movies. He said it is a transcendent experience, and no one who loves movies can afford to miss it. Nikia, do you love movies?
1: I love some movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if anyone can find a reason not to be transcended, it's me, so... (laughs)
0: Time Out says, if you've never seen it and don't, you're bonkers. 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 Do you want to be bonkers?
1: I think bonkers is good.
0: No, bonkers is bad.
1: I think I'm okay with being
0: bonkers. Uh, I like this one. Mark Bourne, writing at Film.com, says, From the top-shelf songs to the clever cinephilic script to the performances and the sheer look of it all, this one's the Taj Mahal, Armstrong's Footprint on the Moon, the 2001 World Series, The Clash's London Calling, and the perfect foamy head on an expertly poured Guinness.
1: That is a high bar.
0: (laughs) All right. And finally, this review, written when the film opened by Bosley Crowther in the New York Times, feels to me like it was written with you in mind. Mm. All elements in this rainbow program are carefully contrived and guaranteed to lift the dollars of winter and put you in a buttercup mood.
1: What the fuck is a buttercup (laughs) mood? What is that? I don't know what
0: that is. It's January in Chicago. We are deep in the dollars of winter. How can you not want to be in a buttercup mood?
1: I don't know what a buttercup mood is, so I don't know that I want to it's be in it. It's a buttercup it, mood. You keep repeating it, that's not telling me it's what it is. a buttercup mood. Right, I understand that. I don't know it's what that a, means. I don't
0: know, flowers and spring and sunshine mm-hmm. and, you know, buttercups.
1: They have pills you can take.
0: <laughs> Are you taking the pills? I am not. Maybe you should take the pills. I want to get one of
1: those sad lamps. <laughs> I think maybe that'll help. I don't need a musical, I just need a, a sad lamp and some volume or something.
0: I think Singing in the Rain is, is just the prescription for you. It's
1: not going to, it's not going to, going to have a bad, a bad experience. am going to have a bad trip.
0: So what, what do you actually, what, if anything, do you actually know about this movie? Uh, Besides that it's a musical.
1: The song singing in the rain and that he's dancing in the rain.
0: That's it. That is it. No idea of the plot, no. anything. Okay. Mm-mm. But you've decided to hate it.
1: It's a musical and I hate musicals. So <laughs> it's pretty fair to assume that I'm not going to enjoy this.
0: I think I think we're gonna find the right musical for you. I think this might be it I'm not today. Sure about that,
1: I'm not sure. And, and it's like tap dance sort of thing.
0: It, it is tap dance. Yeah. So you I'm, like dance?
1: I love dance, but if we're talking tap dance, you know, give me Gregory Hines. Give me you know Savion Glover. Give me you know I don't you know give me some rhythm and my tap.
0: Okay, Gene Kelly could you know dance rings around Gregory Hines.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the Nicholas Brothers. That's another
0: one. The what?
1: The Nicholas Brothers. They were like considered the greatest dancers tap dancers of their time.
0: I have no idea who the Nicholas Brothers are. See,
1: we need to be doing some cross education.
0: It it is possible that a white guy can dance. I'm. Yeah, you're thinking about that one, aren't you?
1: I'm. I'm giving it some thought. (laughs) Um...
0: Like you just fundamentally reject the notion that a white guy can dance better than a black guy. Which I somehow... I feel like that's racist on your part. Is it? Yeah.
1: How so? Well, you know. We have rhythm. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's our birthright.
0: (laughs) All right. A little background on this movie. So this was the brainchild of a guy named Arthur Freed. Freed was... He started out as a very successful lyricist, working with his songwriting partner, Nacio Herb Brown. Then... After working on, I think he was an uncredited producer on The Wizard of Oz, but he worked on that film. And after that, he became a producer at MGM, put in charge of the musicals unit, what became known as the Freed Unit. There, he helped turn the studio into a powerhouse of movie musicals, creating the longest string of movie musical blockbusters in history. These are such films that you have never seen as Meet Me in St. Louis, Easter Parade, Annie Get Your Gun, Showboat, An American in Paris, Brigadoon, Gigi, and of course, Singing in the Rain. And there wasn't a lot of plan to this film. Basically, Freed wanted a vehicle for his own back catalog of songs. Mm -hmm. He had all these old songs that he owned the rights to. He hired two screenwriters, Betty Comden and Adolph Green, and told them to construct a musical around his songs. Uh, according to Compton, he said, Kids, you're going to write a movie called Singing in the Rain. Just put all my songs in it. Okay. That was the extent of the the treatment they were given. And in fact, all of these songs had been used in movies before, in those MGM musicals. Uh, The song Singing in the Rain had actually already appeared in like six or seven movies, so Hmm. it wasn't new. But the writers realized all the songs were from the era in which silent films were being phased out and sound was coming in. So they set the movie in that era around that storyline, around Hollywood, at the transition from silent to sound.
1: Okay. So those sort of are Sunset Boulevard.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Sunset Boulevard mm-hmm. takes place later, but okay. yes, Gloria Swanson in that movie plays one of those stars that got phased right, out right. when sound came in. It stars Gene Kelly, who I guess you don't know. No. You've never seen a Gene Kelly movie.
1: Um, I don't think so.
0: Okay. Donald O'Connor, who you don't know either. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and Debbie Reynolds.
1: That sounds familiar. Oh, that's um Carrie Fisher's, Carrie Fisher's mother. mother. Yes. Right. Which, um, she's more than Carrie Fisher's mother, but yes. I don't have any reference for her, I apologize.
0: <laughs> okay, but you that's yes. how you know who she is. Mm-hmm. This was her breakthrough movie. She had been discovered as a, I think she was in a beauty pageant, she was like Miss Burbank or something. Mm-hmm. And talent scouts signed her based on that. She made, I think, four or five little pictures before Singing in the Rain, but nobody knew who the hell she was. Mm-hmm. Kelly and O'Connor were both major stars, so there was a lot of pressure on her as an unknown to be in the company of these huge stars and try to carry this picture. Okay, so our regular listeners will be familiar with your feelings about movie musicals. Mm -hmm. Do you want to briefly summarize your feelings for any new listeners who might be joining us?
1: I despise them. Um... (laughs) I fundamentally can't get behind the idea of singing the plot or sing singing the. Na- I just why sing it when you can say it. I just can't. So the whole the foundation of the genre, the
0: the basic <laughs> premise.
1: <laughs> I don't like. In addition, I rarely enjoy the actual music. Like it isn't something that I would separate from the film listen to. Like some people can listen to like the Rent soundtrack or other mm-hmm. those sorts of can't do it. Because I don't find it actually musically enjoyable. And it's, they tend to be earnest in a way that makes my teeth hurt. And I don't know
0: what you have against earnestness.
1: I just, it, I, I think maybe it's earnestness in addition to you singing earnestly to music that I don't like. (laughs) It's just this, it's a whole combination of things that makes me want everyone to just. I wish I was Thanos in that moment and can just sort of snap my fingers and everybody just goes away. Um, So, yeah, I just I have (laughs) never I love music. It's such an important part of my life. I cannot imagine. So why can't you get on
0: board with an art form in which music is integrated into the storyline?
1: I just because. okay. so here's the difference. I enjoy a film like Baby Driver, where the music is sort of the soundtrack to your life. Mm-hmm. You're not singing it, but it's just sort of propelling and adding to the sort of mood of everything going on. So I'm very much a fan of put your headphones on when you go outside and have whatever song you want. And that's like the mood you're going into the world with. And and that music is sort of informing your day. When you have people singing it, it's... I cannot, I can't deal with somebody like singing, I'm going to the supermarket. and Like, I just can't. I is, it the, de-
0: is it the break with reality that you have a, a problem no, with? No, because I
1: don't mind breaks in reality in well, other r- right, films. Right. I think I just, yeah. I just can't. If somebody were to start singing their day to me, I'd punch them in the face. Like, I just don't, I cannot, I can't handle it. Just talk about it. Just say, <laughs> You're good. like, okay, Sound of Music, for example. Mm. When the nuns are, like, talking shit about Maria mm-hmm. yeah. via song. Right. Just talk shit. <laughs> like, don't sing it. Don't do it in rhyme scheme. And I don't, I just can't.
0: Okay, so here, here's where I think, and this is my fault. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding happening here. Okay. So let's clear that up. Okay. You do understand that films are meant to be entertaining.
1: Yes. And I love to be entertained. What I find entertaining is...
0: So, singing nuns Mm -hmm. are considered more entertaining than just talking that. I disagree. Is, is the theory there. What I'm
1: saying is I disagree. And it may just be the music. Like I, There has never been a song that I have connected with in any of the musicals that we've watched where it's like, that's a good song. And I want to hear that song. And I want to hear somebody sing that song. And I want to live in that scene with that song. Versus somebody who's in a movie and there happens to be a soundtrack playing and it's, you know, Otis Redding or mm-hmm. it's Prince or it's, you know, just genius, beautiful music that I love and can take with me outside of the film.
0: Okay, okay. So you will acknowledge then it is possible that there could be a musical that had really good music in it, and then you might enjoy that particular picture.
1: It is possible.
0: Okay. So So what I'm hearing is that you just haven't seen enough musicals, and we need to watch more musicals until you find the one that has the right music to win you over. the
1: musicals that you have me watching are these sort of stodgy Rogers and Hammerstein and Lerner and Lowe shit. (laughs) It's like, that's not good soulful music. It just isn't. That's not going to be something that... I'm gonna to listen to later. Now, I am, like, one of the last people on planet Earth that has not seen or heard Hamilton.
0: Right. And yeah. I have heard I am, that people... I'm the other Yes. One. So
1: I have heard that people really love the music of Hamilton. Because
0: we don't have $1,200 right. to spend on like, Hamilton.
1: <laughs> but I think tickets. you could just get, like, the soundtrack to it or the score Yeah, you or can. Yeah. Um, but I would rather see... And I just haven't mm-hmm. seen it. But I've heard that the music is amazing and it is possible that that exists.
0: Okay. So when they do the inevitable film of Hamilton... Right. ...we can watch that and...
1: Possibly, yes.
0: ...discuss it for the podcast. Sure. And force you to admit the... You actually like musicals.
1: Well, no, but that wouldn't be me liking musicals. That would be me liking a very specific musical. Well, it's a musical. Very... Sure, but that doesn't mean I like all musicals, as we have. Right, proven. but
0: you, but you at this point are fundamentally just rejecting the musical form. Yes. Okay.
1: I like the Wiz. Again, good music.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: but that's it. <laughs> And maybe it is I like I'm you know the Grinch in my heart is just two sizes too small or something for musicals, but I just mm-hmm. cannot I don't have the patience to
0: watch somebody sing about their life. All right, well this I mean I don't want to set this up as the ultimate test, but I, I think well
1: I mean this person compared to walking on the moon. That's what I'm so. and
0: singing in the, it's one of those movies that people just watch to to make them feel good. It's one of those movies that just makes people happy.
1: Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. <laughs>
0: Well, Mr. Simpson, we're really rolling. No, well, well, you can stop rolling at once. Huh?
1: Yeah, what's the matter, all right?
0: The jazz singer. That's what's the matter, the jazz singer. Oh, my darling little mammy. Now, dear Now mammy. My little mammy. No, no, this is no, is no joke, Cosmo. It's a sensation. The public is screaming for more. More what? Talking pictures. Talking pictures. Oh, it's just a freak. Yeah, what a freak. We should have such a freak at this studio. I told you talking pictures were a menace, but no one would listen to me. Don, we're going to put our best feet forward. We're going to make the dueling cavalier into a talking picture. <laughs> Beautiful
1: girl, you're a lovely picture. You were meant for
0: me. All I do is dream of you the whole night through.
1: Fiddle
0: ready for love. I can jump over the moon up above.
1: There's a fiddle and ready for love. I'm singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. Good morning.
0: Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Okay, during the break, Nikki and I watched <laughs> Singing in the Rain. So we are both in buttercup moods.
1: I am absolutely not in a buttercup mood.
0: Well, you said you didn't even know what a buttercup mood is. How do you know you're not in one?
1: Well, I'm pretty much in the same mood I was before I watched it, so... How
0: is that possible?
1: I'm either always in a buttercup mood and just didn't realize it... <laughs>
0: you are not. <laughs> no, you are not always in a buttercup mood. I can testify I still don't know what the fuck that is. To that.
1: Isn't that like a Powerpuff Girl? I think Butter, Buttercup was one of the Powerpuff
0: girls. I don't that's not my lane. I'm she sorry. She may be
1: the mean one. Hold on. Let me see. No,
0: you don't need to Google that. We buttercup. don't need that's not it's not at all gonna be relevant There's one that's to our like conversation. A little bit We're not gonna sit here while than, Oh you yeah, that's the hard that's
1: the, Powerpuff the, that's, the, that's, girls. The, that's the bitch girl. Yeah, I like her. Okay, I can do that.
0: Okay, so that's that's your interpretation yeah. of a buttercup mood. Yeah. Okay.
1: She's 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 the one who brings the heat. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh so uh what did you think of the movie?
1: <laughs> um of the musicals that we've watched, uh uh-huh. it was the least painful.
0: Wow. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Why is that?
1: I think because there wasn't a lot of music. There was there's a shit ton of I music. I think there was a shit ton of music, but it wasn't I think maybe because it was set within the world of entertainment of dancing and music, it okay. felt maybe more organic than it tends to feel in other musicals, where it's like, okay, now I'm just going to all of a sudden jump into song. Okay. When it doesn't make sense. So dancing.
0: these song and dance people... Right. they singing and dancing spontaneously was more convincing than nuns Exactly. Singing and dancing spontaneously. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. It's actually not the kind of musical I usually like, because it is basically a jukebox musical. Mm-hmm. It's you know, we talked before it's this was Arthur Freed saying, "Here's my catalog of songs, make it a worked. movie around yeah. it, come up with a plot that gives you an excuse to put all these songs in it. That's not the kind of musical that I usually like, mm-hmm. but singing in the rain is kind of infectious. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't a lot of movies that just make me smile, and there are several numbers in this movie that just kind of make me smile, yeah, in almost in spite of myself. <laughs> did, did you smile at least?
1: I may have smiled at one or two points. Okay, where
0: where, where, where did your smiling, your spontaneous smiling um, occur?
1: I think the the number that probably entertained me the most was make him laugh. That's, I thought that was brilliant. That's
0: a brilliant scene. I that's LeCronor, Donald O'Connor. I just thought was hilarious and LeCronor. so
1: talented. And it was almost like watching Buster Keaton or yeah. Charlie Chaplin, you know, yeah. just play. Yeah. So, yeah, that was probably when yeah, I was. Donald O'Connor was yeah. genius in
0: that scene. Yeah. The legend about that is that he shot that scene, he destroyed his body <laughs> doing it. I mean, because he's crashing it. Yeah, walls he's throwing himself and, around yeah, for you. He's yeah. giving it his all, you know, and he went home and took a bath and tried <laughs> to soak off the pain of it and got a call saying the lens had been fogged. <laughs> <laughs> when they shot it and he had to do it all over again. Yeah. And he no. had to go back and film it again. No. Uh, whether that is true or not, you know, whatever. Right. Who cares? It right? has to Print the, the legend, as yeah. they say. The other thing about that scene is Make 'em Laugh. It's one of two original songs in the film that had not been produced mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And it is a note for note plagiarism of Cole Porter's song Be a Clown. Oh. It's basic it's the exact same song. And apparently how that happened was they needed a song there, they didn't know what to use, Arthur Freed didn't obviously have something in his catalog, so he pointed to the the screenwriters and said, Write a song. Something like Be a Clown would work here. <laughs> And so they just they listen to be a clown, and they just wrote basically the exact same song. Mm -hmm. It's kind. It seems to be something of a mystery why Cole Porter did not sue them, right? Because it's ridiculous how plagiarized that is. That's hilarious. But who cares? That scene is
1: it's so good, and maybe that's why he didn't sue because it is it is a really it's a brilliant little scene.
0: Okay, what else? Uh, this is a rare occasion of your actually admitting that you enjoyed something in a musical, so...
1: Are we only talking about musical parts?
0: Uh, no. Talk about whatever you want to talk about.
1: Okay. I enjoyed the scene where... They were filming the Dueling Cavalier, and this is before the announcement that they were going to transition to talkies. Okay, and so it's still being filmed as a silent film, but we as an audience are watching.
0: Oh yes, um,
1: yes. <laughs> Lena and Don film on set.
0: Yes, they're filming a love scene. They're
1: filming a love scene, and he's just like, "I hate your fucking guts," and I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> So that banter, (laughs) which was in direct sort of contrast with what they were filming and knowing that that dialogue wasn't getting captured on the film. Yeah, that was very clever. Whatever was going to be up on the sort of title cards in the film. I just thought that was a great scene Mm -hmm. between them because they were just hateful towards each other (laughs) um, as he's like kissing her arm. And Mm -hmm. um, so I like that scene. I mean, I guess I have to say I like the singing in the rain scene, right? It's like yeah, quintessential. It's,
0: that That is deservedly <laughs> iconic, that scene. It is. It
1: is a very much iconic
0: scene. And this is what, I mean, Gene Kelly sort of revolutionized the shooting of dance mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that more than his actual dancing is what he is known for. I mean, he was a great dancer, don't get me wrong. But more than being a dancer, it was his choreography and the way he married the choreography to the camera. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He said the first movie he ever did when he watched it, he realized that it didn't he didn't think the dancing worked because he said on you know on stage dancing is three-dimensional right on film it becomes two dimensional. Mm-hmm. it's not as exciting. Mm-hmm. so he figured out ways in the choreography to take advantage of the camera to figure out how the camera was going to move during the dance to really give it depth and mm-hmm. to give it a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. And that scene, you can see that. It's yeah. just amazing yeah. the way the camera follows him around there. And he's just having so much fun. Yeah. It's just so exuberant. It's one of the rare scenes in movies that I watch and think it actually does capture the feeling of being like newly in love. Yeah. Like it's, it really it's is a, kind of convincing.
1: It's a really sort of perfectly cinematic moment talking about sort of how dance is filmed where towards the end of the dance where he moves sort of into the middle of the street and the camera sort of zooms out a little bit. Yep. It's And it, it, it's just wonderfully yep. cinematic. Um,
0: and this is something I've argued with you about before because one of the... I guess one of the other rare movie musicals that you like is Chicago. Yeah. And I can't stand that movie, and I can't stand the cuts, the way dance is filmed, mm-hmm. because no one actually needed to dance to mm-hmm. film that movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, cut to a shot of a foot, cut to a <laughs> shot of a leg, and it's just like, it's so choppily edited, yeah. and it's just like, it's for pe- it's for filming people who can't dance.
1: See, but I And this was the- something
0: else Kelly did, is this thing of, we're gonna show the whole body, right, and we're not going to do a lot of cuts yeah there are cuts in there but it's you know we're actually going to capture their performance we're yeah. not just gonna
1: i would argue though that editing. um katherine zeta jones i think did a lot of her own dancing in there she's and she, there's okay. a couple okay. numbers in there where i think she's actually really yeah. good fine <laughs> is she gene kelly but of you watch not, the numbers but... in this
0: film and it's just yeah no
1: extraordinary they're extraordinary how yeah. they're
0: filmed yeah the scene um what is it it's Oh, it's good morning. Mm-hmm. We're in the house. Mm-hmm. And the three of them are like moving hand in hand through rooms yeah. of the house dancing, and the camera's following them, and then they're going up the stairs and onto the railing and then back down. It's just incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I, the other, and I was surprised I didn't lose you here. There is in the middle of this movie a, I think it's a 17 minute dance sequence.
1: Yes. The, the Broadway, Broadway Melody. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That starts out as a dance sequence and then it goes into this dream sequence ballet mm-hmm. with Sid Charisse. Mm-hmm. I thought I would lose you there.
1: I mean, I, I think I leaned over and asked are we still filming the dueling Cavalier? But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't I didn't
0: understand mean, that I, either. I <laughs> quite, there was a plot point yeah. there I missed where suddenly the dueling Cavaliers
1: turned into something yeah. else. Um, mm-hmm. So it was definitely I think as beautiful as it was, and I think it definitely was sort of a showcase for Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um it did seem to sort of slow the film down. Yeah, it
0: totally robs the yeah. story of any momentum. Just, whatever.
1: You're right, exactly. Whatever momentum it had, you just sort of do this stop. And again, it's a wonderful showcase of his talents, and it's... It, it is amazing. It's beautiful.
0: I think, I think the shots, right at the beginning of the sequence, when we come through the set with all the neon mm-hmm. lights and everything, mm-hmm. and again, just that three-dimension, it almost seems like a 3D film. Yeah. You're moving through those neon lights, yeah. coming down to find Kelly at the bottom on the stage. I like that. And then I like... I actually like the dream sequence.
1: Yes, it's beautiful with Sid
0: yeah. in that
1: Diaphanous hundred foot sorta, long yeah, it's train gorgeous.
0: that they are somehow keeping afloat, keeping the whole afloat, time. blowing it in the right direction mm-hmm. to stay out of the way of the choreography. That's yeah. amazing. No, it's a gorgeous scene. Yeah,
1: but I would argue you could fast forward through that and still be fine <laughs> in the film.
0: But. Okay, so let's. Uh, I don't think we need to do the whole plot here, right? Um, you know. Let, but let's let's talk about the characters okay so let's let's start with Gene Kelly
1: so Gene Kelly plays Don Lockwood um a man who grew up pretty rough and tumble <laughs> Uh, despite the narrative he's created for himself in Hollywood, yeah,
0: I like. We're actually recording this on the the day of the Golden Globes, and that's appropriate. This film opens with a red carpet yes event mm-hmm. where all these stars are coming in their ridiculous gowns, right? Down this, some woman in like a spider. It
1: was fabulous. You like that one? I, I thought, love yeah, that. I thought you might black like spider web dress. It was gorgeous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she looked like the witch in, uh, what's what's the Disney movie? It's Emperor's New Groove. Oh, Emperor's New Groove. The <laughs> yeah. There
1: was a little bit of that, yeah.
0: It was a, wonderful. Um, but yes, he's spinning out this bullshit narrative <laughs> about right. his life. and. Dignity, always
1: dignity. Dignity,
0: always dignity. Yes. And in flashback, we're seeing that he and Donald O'Connor <laughs> right. grew up working in dive bars. Yes. and
1: dancing for change. Coyoteville, New places. Mexico. And stuff um, like that. Working his way up the sort of vaudeville scene. And he sort of sort of lucks into this role as the studio stunt man mm-hmm. basically. And through that is then sort of promoted to leading man status. Mm-hmm. And that's where he meets the quote unquote love of his life <laughs> Lena.
0: Lita, um, played by Gene Hagen. Play,
1: played by Gene Hagen. And again, in this sort of satirizing of Hollywood and the sort of the falseness of it, you know, they have basically been sold as this, you know, perfect pair. Mm-hmm. And they're deeply yes, in love. Yes, they're a couple and,
0: in the tabloids right. and the trades.
1: And in reality, they hate each other and yeah. can't stand each other. Um,
0: well, no, she's, she well, actually Well, she wants, believes
1: the hype. Right. Yes, She's, like, I've read all the magazines. She, and at least she's
0: invested love. in it. Yes. Um and, yeah, he can't stand but her. But he cannot. Santa.
1: Um, and she
0: is kind of a monster, but we'll yes. get to her in a minute. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, that's Don. I mean, he's sort of the ultimate showman. And he, along with the other characters, are at this point of transition where we're moving from silent films to talkie mm-hmm. talkies. And his sort of internal conflict is, is he actually an actor or mm-hmm. is he just, you know, someone that can mime really well?
0: So you said you've never seen a Gene Kelly film right. before. So what did you think of Gene Kelly? I thought he was good. Okay.
1: I don't know that I was like, oh, I see why. I, like, I don't know that I had the... He's
0: a pretty good looking guy. He's
1: a good looking guy. He's not... Like, like, I've seen better. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> I like, there are some men that I've seen sort of in their days that, as like, sort of like Brando, like, oh, I get the Brando mm-hmm. thing. And I get the um, Paul Newman thing. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I don't necessarily no. get the Gene Kelly thing.
0: Um, he is not a great actor. No. And he knew that about himself, and he always said that about himself. He had started out on stage mm-hmm. and he said he never lost that stage acting thing. Mm. He said when he watched his pictures he thought everything he did was just a little too big mm-hmm. and a little too fake. Mm-hmm. Like he never he never felt like he learned to act for film. And I think that's fair. I don't Yeah. He's not terrible. No. But he's not a great actor. Um, he's also not a great singer. His voice is pretty thin.
1: Yeah, I mean it's workable. It's it's yeah. serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny with this character. In particular, I, I think he's a showman. Like I think he. Yeah. It's almost like he would be a he would be an awesome ringmaster. <laughs>
0: like he has
1: that's the sort of energy that he has about mm-hmm. him. Um, but no, he wasn't terrible. I thought he was fine.
0: But he's a, he's a great physical presence. <laughs> yes, and that's his dancing style too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, people always compared him to Fred Astaire, and Fred Astaire was very elegant yeah. and very you know precise. Yeah and kelly isn't he's an athlete yeah. he's a you know he i think he was a gymnast originally mm-hmm. and his movements are big and his he's a very physical presence all yeah. the time yeah okay well let's talk about uh gene hagen
1: my favorite
0: yes you enjoyed it
1: I, I'm i a huge fan of cheating. I just thought her character I thought Lena was hilarious yeah. from moment one I think the way that they revealed her terrible voice was brilliant because so we have that you know while um, Don is doing that interview and he's sort of flashing back to all sort of how he got to where he is today we see the first meeting between he and Lena and he goes up and starts talking to her and she's and at this point he's still sort of just a lowly stunt person, and so she just sort of waves him off. she won't talk to him. Right, and then he's offered the job to become the leading man, and she just gets up, and her attention is peaked, and she's like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, you know, but she never says a word. Yeah. It's, It's almost as if she's in her own little silent
0: film. And then, like, at that premiere, we see... He gives a little speech to right. the crowd, and she's and she starts to step right. forward and say something, and he just kind of pulls, pulls her, her back, back and right. says, "You know, we're gonna get off the stage now."
1: And then we finally get backstage, and she opens her <laughs> mouth, <laughs> and it is <laughs> the shrillest voice <laughs> you could ever imagine. And she's like, "Oh God, <laughs> like, that's a
0: shrill!" Pl- it's like a low class, nasally. Voice. It's just yeah, it's
1: all of the bad it, things. It was
0: driving me crazy trying to think who she sounded like, and I finally realized she sounds like uh susan in citizen kane the opera singer (laughs) when they're fighting like when susan is screaming at kane in that high shrill voice we
1: never go anywhere kind of who's like oh my god i'm not gonna sing anymore and
0: that's what hagen sounds like every line of dialogue she says
1: yeah it's perfect and And it's a great
0: performance because that was not her voice
1: it's so and yeah Uh,
0: in fact the scene later in the film where Debbie Reynolds is supposed to be dubbing her dialogue, mm-hmm. they use Gene Hagen's real voice as the dubbing voice. Yes. So she didn't, uh, I can't think what she did to her throat. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be funny. She actually died of throat cancer. I don't oh, God. Related. But I <laughs> kept thinking of that when I was listening to her do that voice.
1: No, but it was just a brilliant, bitchy, dim performance and just so funny. Yeah. But I also liked her because she was about her business. <laughs> like, she was just like, bitch, my contract says that I can own you yeah. if you... <laughs> so- <laughs> so you, appreciate- are gonna right. you are
0: not going to humiliate me. So I'm I, a appreciate- big star. I appreciate
1: a woman about her business.
0: Uh, she was the only person nominated for this film, so... Mm. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then, uh, anything to say about Cosmo, Donald O'Connor? We already talked about his his big set piece. Right. I
1: actually loved Cosmo. I thought yeah. he was sort of a bright light through the whole thing. He
0: was. He didn't actually get a lot to do. He didn't. I, I had remembered that he was sort of the third lead of it, mm-hmm. and he actually doesn't have a lot no. to do throughout the movie.
1: No, but when he's he there, just
0: provides a little comic relief. I feel like, the like edges. he steals it a little yeah. bit because mm-hmm. he's
1: just really funny, and his face is elastic, yeah. um, and his timing is perfect.
0: The other number that again, you know, people talk about this is a movie that cheers me up. If I wanted to be cheered up, I might pop on The Moses the Moses Supposes, the Moses Supposes <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Because it's just so funny, yeah. and it's so brilliant, and mm-hmm. just so energetic. Yeah. Um, I, I love that scene.
1: And they just all look like they were having a good time. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Like, you don't see the work of it. You recognize the skill, but you don't see and
0: the it work. And it is insane work. Yeah. It's like, ins- they are it's working a lot of work. so hard. They are hard. very
1: acrobatic. It is not just, you know, pretty dancing. It's mm-hmm. jumping on things and flipping and all kinds Perfect of stuff. Perfect
0: timing. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. And then Debbie Reynolds. Very cute. As, what's her name? Kathy. Kathy. Yes. She's adorable. Yes, she is.
1: Uh, when it's the three of them doing Good Morning, her sort of in between those two guys, keeping up with them, yeah. and like right in line with them and as strong
0: as And he again, up. she was, she actually had been a gymnast mm. and she was not a dancer. And to be thrown in the middle of yeah. that with Gene Kelly, particularly, and, you know, he, again, he also co directed the film, he choreographed the film, and he was a bastard, apparently, mm. to work with. He was a perfectionist, and he was a tyrant on set, Yeah, and he made her cry a lot, apparently, on this film. She said the two hardest things she ever did in her life was giving birth and making singing in the (laughs) ring. She didn't sound like she resented it. Like, she didn't hate him, but she was just like, he was very demanding. Yeah. But it was worth it. I think she keeps up pretty well. She
1: absolutely keeps up. She definitely holds her own... I think that scene where she and Don first meet is a great little scene. So he is he and Cosmo are sort of driving from one of the I think it's like one of the film premieres or something like that. Yeah,
0: I think so. Uh, I and the car
1: stalls out. So he's just, they're both just standing on the street and of course he's a big movie star so he gets mobbed by all of his fans and they're basically ripping his clothes off and he does mm-hmm. this, there's this great little set piece where he sort of jumps on the roof of a trolley. And then flips over and just lands right into her car. Which is <laughs> yes. a convert- it's just a great little <laughs> quick scene. Um, and then she spends the whole car ride basically shitting on his entire profession. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought Mo-
0: movie acting is not right, real acting. It's not real it's just <laughs> Exactly.
1: Like I like words and I like speaking and yeah. I like the theater. So yeah, I thought Debbie Reynolds was great.
0: Yeah, you're surprising me though. I mean, I think you are. I, I think you are it. actually in a buttercup mood a little. Bit. I
1: don't. I mean, if this is a buttercup mood, that's that's pretty sad. Man. Like
0: I thought, Good Morning would annoy the shit out of you I thought you would be rolling your eyes I thought you would be like how much of this do I have to sit (laughs) through?" I didn't which is usually how you are when we watch these movies
1: and maybe maybe it's the addition of the dancing Hmm. because maybe if you're just standing there singing good morning (laughs) <laughs> versus like actually I'm
0: giving me something interesting right like I'm watching at. you dance mm-hmm. I'm impressed
1: by your your talent as a dancer maybe that's what it is but I didn't mind good morning okay i I liked I think the three of them you know were a really sort of magnetic trio
0: mm-hmm. in that scene okay so we have we have the actual plot of the film to the extent that there is one right. which is that they shoot The Dueling Cavalier as their first talkie and it is terrible revealing <laughs> Lena's voice
1: Lena's voice but also just a lack of technical expertise yeah
0: it was not like, well done I can done. hear
1: your clothes rustling <laughs> she's, she's as you're walking the pearls, to the stage it's, it's just yeah. like, that's just also just <laughs> shitty directing and sound design but yes
0: <laughs> so yeah it, it's a fiasco it's a and then they have to go back and save the film and they yes. stumble on this idea of
1: Make it a musical.
0: Turning it into a musical and...
1: Dubbing Lena's, dubbing voice, Lena's with voice with Kathy's. Without voice Without Lena knowing that that's what's happening. Right. Yes.
0: <laughs> Did you kind of feel bad for Lena a little bit?
1: Oh, I told you, I love Lena. I think she was a woman about her business, and it's not her fault that her voice is fucking terrible. Right.
0: She, um, she, she was a big star, and then they right. changed the rules she on
1: her. She was a perfect star for silent film. Right. And... This idea that every artist is going to work in every medium, I think, is faulty. And it's also this sort of, I think, a statement on that whole idea of the studio system of how disposable, particularly female, actresses become.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Either you're going to age out of it, or you have a terrible voice, or you can't dance, or, you know. Right. So, I was sort of on Lena's I mean, she was not the nicest person, <laughs> <laughs> but- But she was just trying to survive, quite frankly. So you can't really hate her too much for that. And the way they went about doing it was very duplicitous. Like, they didn't even tell her that, okay, we're going to, you know, use Kathy's voice.
0: Yeah, I feel like, I don't, I'm not sure when she finds that out.
1: Um... What uh, Zelda played by um, Rita Moreno?
0: Yes, a ba- barely a cameo. Yes,
1: wasted Rita Moreno. can you miss her. Rita <laughs> yeah. Moreno.
0: She apparently did have a larger part in this mm-hmm. that got cut out. Yeah. probably just for time. I don't think it was you know that she was bad. or Oh, anything. of course
1: not. Um, she's fucking Rita Moreno. Right. Um, <laughs> I just, like, it's so, um, but yeah. So I I think the scene is she like hints or cues uh Lena into the fact that Kathy has been one, dubbing her lines, and two, messing around Stealing with Don. Her right. Man. And so that's mm-hmm. sort of when she finds it all out. And then she's yeah. like, okay, well, no, we're, we're gonna see about this shit. So, yeah. <laughs> so they didn't even give her the sort of choice to say, okay, well then, that's fine, she can do it, or I don't want to be a part of that, or anything right. like that. So it's hard to be mad at her about it, really. <laughs> Again, she's a bitch of a person. She's a terrible, terrible but <laughs> person. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you gotta do what you gotta do in that business.
0: So that leads to the big premiere of What is now called the Dancing Cavalier. Yes. In which it's a big success, and everyone thinks Selena is a tremendous triple threat talent right and
1: she is feeling herself and so she's basically like tells kathy that you know you're gonna spend the next five years behind a mic yeah redubbing all of my shit
0: Mm. and
1: i'm basically gonna own the studio and it's gonna be great uh and that's when people are like okay yeah we're not dealing with this diva so yeah you go out there you go say your words go
0: give your speech
1: go ahead and so she speaks and the crowd's like you sound weird why don't you sing something and she's like "Uh uh-oh and so uh, the gentlemen, Don and Cosmo and the head of the studio, cook up this idea that we'll put Kathy behind the curtain to sing and you just go out there and mime it. And then they lift the curtain and everybody sees that it's Kathy who's actually singing. Yeah. And um, Lena's laughed out of the theater.
0: Yeah. So, Poor Lena.
1: I mean, it was sort of cruel and fucked up a little bit. Just a little
0: bit. Also, it seems to me she could still sue them.
1: She absolutely could still sue yeah. them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably with more cause now <laughs> because you've embarrassed her and jeopardized her whole, her entire career.
0: But this is the happy ending of the movie. isn't Yes. It? Now Don and Kathy, Kathy are can together, be together and they're movie stars together. Yes. Everyone knows Kathy is the real star now. Mm-hmm. And we're out. Okay, so there is a, not a lot of plot in this movie no. to, to talk about. It really is all about setting up these big
1: musical numbers. Musical numbers. Yeah.
0: None of which, again, really contribute to the plot in any way. It's not that no. kind of musical. No. And like I said, it's not the kind of musical I usually like because I usually like it when the songs
1: People are come out
0: of the out of the story and out of the character and mm-hmm. it has some significance. They don't hear really and I don't care. It's just no, fun. No,
1: they're just great little pieces and I think it really is just like a showcase of folks who have an amazing amount of talent mm-hmm. in, you know, singing and dancing, so...
0: And like you said, I think just the fact that it's set in the entertainment Mm -hmm. world and it has this kind of meta self-awareness to it. I like that scene. It's sort of... Don and Kathy's first love scene, where he takes her into the studio, mm-hmm. and he he's trying to tell her how he feels, and he says, "I can't say it here,
1: right, without the perfect setting, right,
0: without the perfect setting." So he takes her onto the stage, he turns on the lights,
1: the backdrop, the wind
0: machine, mm-hmm. gets every everything going. Um, right. It's it's a nice self aware moment about kind of that the romance of the movies
1: and the falseness of it, right, the artifice of it. Yeah,
0: did you actually like any of the music? You said you you need to like the music.
1: I mean, am I going to listen to any of it later? No. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Did I? There's
0: some earworms.
1: I mean, Singing in the Rain is just, singing in it's, the rain it's an earworm. Is, yeah. It really is. Good um, Morning
0: is actually an earworm.
1: It is. Um, I've
0: had that in my head all day. Make
1: like, them laugh is sort of too. I mean, there are a number of them that, you know, they're yeah. going to be stuck in your head.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sounds like Singing in the Rain was, by your standards, a hit.
1: For a musical, yes.
0: Okay, yeah, I think you might actually watch this movie again someday.
1: I would watch certain scenes, flipping channels, sure. coming across it. If I came across make them, them, them laugh, I would mm-hmm. watch the make them laugh sequence and then probably turn it back off. But yeah. <laughs> 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 no, actually, I thought it was. I mean, it, it it also didn't. It wasn't earnest in that way that a lot of other musicals are earnest. And I think part of yeah, that it's was
0: weirdly not. Yeah, cheesy. it's not
1: very cheesy. It's not corny. And I think part of that is because it's also this sort of send up of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's sort of making fun of itself, in 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 a way, but at the same time, still sort of celebrating Hollywood and fi- and like the magic of film. But yeah, I think like because it was able to sort of inject little moments where it was a little bit sardonic. Um, mm-hmm. So there was. Towards the beginning, when they are in that you know initial film preview, Don and, and Lena, the camera pans to one of the a woman sitting in the audience, and she says something like, "Speaking about Lena, she's so refined. I think I'm going to kill myself." Yes. And it's like that. <laughs> yes. That sort of idea of fanaticism to the point of
0: mm-hmm.
1: morbidity, kind of thing. So. It was,
0: and the idea that we have these images of these right. movie stars being so elegant, and exactly. So refined. And
1: we know Lena, and Lena is not <laughs> and elegant we're, we're, and right. we, isn't <laughs> <laughs> or refined. So again. And this sort of tearing down the sort of the myth mm-hmm. right around hollywood and around celebrity so i think that that's part of it was like it didn't it wasn't earnest and the music was i think easier to appreciate when it was done in collaboration with what was brilliant dancing and and performing so yeah i didn't hate it
0: okay we're going to call that a triumph all right and we're going to watch more musicals
1: that's not the lesson no <laughs> my
0: takeaway is we need to watch more then musicals let's watch
1: some Nicholas brothers <laughs> that's that's what we can do okay all right <laughs>
0: That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Nikia, this past week, as we were working on this episode, and as I was trying to decide what our next film should be, which is always kind of a random process, uh, I happened to see the announcement that veteran journalist and network news producer Susan Zarinsky had been selected to be the new president of beleaguered CBS News. And among other things, in her very impressive resume, Zerinsky was an advisor on James L. Brooks's broadcast news and the inspiration for the character Holly Hunter plays in the movie. So, in honor of Zerinsky being hired by CBS to fix the news, we are going to watch broadcast news next week.
1: Is that fake news?
0: Uh, it's, it's kind of about the moment news became fake. Okay, so timely. Timely. On a number of levels. Broadcast News is available to rent on the streaming services, and it's also currently playing on the Stars Network and available on demand for subscribers. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can also find our contact and social media links, leave us a comment, or make a donation to support the show. We also encourage you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and help other people find the show. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. So, from the uh, corrections department. Yes. Uh, in between the time we watched the film and recorded this segment, I actually went and looked up the Nicholas Brothers because mm-hmm. I felt woefully ignorant. Yes. They were good. Yes. They were fucking amazing. Thank like you. I watched their most famous dance number from uh, I think it's the film Stormy Weather mm-hmm. with Cab Calloway, yep. and yeah, they were fucking amazing. Yes. And I found we talked about Gregory Hines too. So there was an AFI, I think it was an AFI tribute to Gene Kelly where all of them were there. And Gregory Hines said he kept having the experience throughout his career of inventing a new dance step and then seeing a film and realizing that Gene Kelly had invented the same step 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then later in the program, the Nicholas Brothers, who had actually worked with Gene Kelly on a film um, called The Pirate, which was apparently the first time they ever danced with a white man on screen, they said to Gregory Hines, Don't worry about stealing steps from Gene Kelly. He stole them all from us.
1: Thank you. Game recognized game.
0: I knew you would appreciate that. Confirming your theory that everyone steals everything from black people. That's
1: what I'm saying. You name a white person, I will name you a black person who did it first and better. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. See?